So welcome to The Life You Deserve. Uh, this is episode seven of my first series. And um, this is the first of many episodes that are um, the audio recordings from a series of Facebook interviews and YouTube interviews I did in 2017, where I interviewed over 70 people. Uh, and this show was called Lighthearted Conversations with People of Significance. And uh, it was based on one of my all-time favourite shows from the BBC, uh, which is a Radio 4 show called Desert Island Discs. Now, this has been running for, I don't know, the longest time, over 40 years. Um, and it has a very kind of strict format. Everybody gets asked the same thing. So they get to choose eight different records and they talk about their life throughout these records. And then they're cast away on an imaginary desert island and asked uh, which of these records they want to take with them, which one they would save if they were only allowed to save one. Uh, they're allowed to take um, a religious book, um, uh, Encyclopedia Britannica, I believe, and then a book of their choice. So everybody kind of goes through the same process. And so my lighthearted conversations have a very similar format in that everybody is asked the same questions. I had such an amazing amount of fun doing it. I learned an awful lot about the people that uh, I interviewed. And to be honest, they learned quite a bit about themselves too. Uh, I asked them questions about um, you know, their childhood and when they were 18 and all sorts of interesting things. So this is the first one I am uploading and uh, this features an amazing guy called Philip Chan who you will hear uh, is um, an amazing philanthropic person. He has uh, many guises, he does a huge amount of work for charity and he also has achieved an amazing amount in his own right. So I do hope you enjoy it. Um, this is the first episode of Lighthearted Conversations. My name is Jill Barham. I am the Miracle Molecule host. And today I am having, or this morning, I should say, I'm having a light hearted conversation with my lovely special friend, Philip Chan. Good morning. Good morning, Jill. Thank you for having me on, on, on the show. And uh, good morning, good afternoon, good evening to all the audience, wherever you may be in the world. So uh, I'm looking forward to a little chat. Yes. Um, now, just to tell everybody that Philip has no idea what I'm going to ask him, do you, Philip? No idea, so, which, is, which is good, which is good. <laughs> Quite good. Um, so before we get going on our light-hearted conversation, um, what I'd like you to do is um, to share with us, first of all, what you do, um, what you're doing as a business now, what you're passionate about, what, what do you love and, and what's going, you know, what, what is your real kind of um, mission in the world? Well, I'm known as the, the 10 seconds mass expert because I teach uh, people, particularly children, uh, young, young children, to do mathematics in under 10 seconds. My claim of fame is basically uh, at school I was actually in bottom in every subject, including mathematics. So the fact that today I am so supposed to be the 10 second mass expert, I, I sometimes chuckle at myself. I thought, you know, that's not really, yeah, I had to pinch myself. Is that really true? So it just shows that, um, you know, wherever you are now, it's not where you are now that's important, it's where you're going to be. Uh, and I have done mass workshop now for over 45 years. I have workshops for a small group, anything from 20 to maybe about 600 
uh, people coming. Thus, the children with their parents, so they can be learning together. Uh, also, I'm a member of UNICEF now. In fact, this month is actually my 54th year as their member of UNICEF. Wow, Philip, that's amazing. And um, or I had a little bit of health challenge before before Christmas, so the doctors didn't think I was going to be here. <laughs> However, I am here, which is good. And one of the, the uh, my important tasks for them is to complete one small bit. And now that program is just now completed. And just before Christmas is rolling out to 193 countries. So wow. that will have an impact on the children. And also UNICEF actually have a 48 hour response to anywhere in the world. For instance, like last year, there's, there's over 300 incidents, uh, but only one or two get reported in the news. So as a, a children's champion and also gift and will, I'm trying to help them to raise funds constantly so they have funds all year round to cope with the emergencies. Now, in the past few years, I've written a few books and my books are also dedicated, the profit, some of the profit is actually dedicated to UNICEF. So for every time someone buy a book, then a small portion of the money goes to them. My deep passion is really to share with, um, with children to enjoy mathematics and have fun and also change the mindset of the parents because so often when I do my workshops, I have parents come and say, oh, well, no, you know, I was no good at maths, you know, I, I wish I was still like you. I said, well, if you only knew <laughs> what I was like at school, you'd be shocked. <laughs> and I, and normally within two minutes of starting the workshop, I'll get a reaction from uh, everybody to actually change the mindset. So I just want to share as much as I can. In fact, um, a few months ago, I was on Sky TV and the interviewer asked me, you know, with, is there a lost generation with all the wars in Syria and so on, and all these uh, children in, in a refugee camp, you know, is there no hope? Well, also, I I can't speak for all the other subjects, but I said for, for mathematics, if they can get me out of there, then I can train up some teachers, then perhaps it will, I can make a difference. Mm. You're never going to slow down, are you, Philip Chan? <laughs> um, basically, what I do is the, the tech, well, actually, let, let, let me um, qualify something. You see, if you nick one idea, Joe, you're a dirty, low-down thief. But if, you nick, <laughs> nick, but, but if you nick a bunch of ideas, you're doing research. I, I do research. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 the transformation... Well, the transformation for me is, is I, I, I hate being called stupid and so on. So I went out and do the research. And then also I found these techniques being around for anything from 200 to 1,000 years old. And, but it just yeah. not been used. And I started yeah. doing it. Well, I've, um, I, I've, I've actually seen it. Well, I've got a copy of your book at home. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, I, and I just think it's phenomenal, really. Actually, my son has just trained as a teacher. Um, and he's a he's an early years teacher, so um, I can't I can't wait to pass it on to him actually, and uh, um, uh, and see you know I, I haven't done it yet because he's only just qualified, but I am going to give it to him because it is a phenomenal thing. So if anybody has got children or grandchildren, then um, you need to get this little. It's only a little book, but it's amazing because it just changes yes, it? the way. Yeah, this one. Oh, there you go. There you got it there. <laughs> yeah, it's a really yeah. tiny book. Okay, thank you very much. So we're going to um, we're going to talk about a little bit more about your business at the end of the call. But actually, the rest of this call is about you, Philip Chan.
<laughs> uh, and what the idea is that we're going to get to know the Philip um, behind um, the uh, Jet Set Learning System and the books and the UNICEF work and all the rest of it and uh, have a little bit of a glimpse into the, 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 the Philip, the Philip that I know as well. Yeah. So um, I've got a series of questions for you that um, I'm going to run through. Everybody gets the same questions. Um, and we're going to see what your answers are. I'm really fascinated by this because I know that you're a uh, real entrepreneur. And I, I know that you've led a very varied life and career. So um, are you ready? Should we get going? Yeah, I, I haven't misspent you, so carry on. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, um, my first scenario is um, I'm going to invite you to a really nice hotel and you're going to um, be going to lunch, a very nice lunch on the top floor of this hotel. Um, and you get into the lift or the elevator on the first floor, on the ground floor, I should say. One other person gets into the lift with you. And as you go up in the lift, you get stuck between floors six and seven. Now, just to say that You've got windows in the lift, so you're not going to get mm -hmm. claustrophobic. Mm -hmm. um, so that's the really good news. And the other good news is that you get to choose who you are going to be stuck in that lift with because you're going to be there for two or three hours. Mm -hmm. So I want to know who in the world, dead or alive, mm -hmm. would you like to spend two or three hours with to ask all the questions that you've wanted to ask or to spend some quality time with? Who well, would that, that person that's, be? That, that's, that's an easy one. Uh, it just has to be Mother Teresa. <laughs> uh, because, you know, yeah, when you look at this, this, you know, obviously she's passed away, as everyone knows. But uh, this little lay lady, friends and assuming, uh, haven't got the glamour and the glitter of the Hollywood star, and, and yet she's opened doors to, well, yeah, presidents, uh, dictators, um, and it's just the pure love and humbleness, you know, mm -hmm. and that's the thing I always feel that, you know, um, yeah, we all, we can all be humble, but there's diff different degree of humbleness. I mean, her humbleness is it just so um, amazing. It just breaks through all the doors. So mm -hmm. I, I was and con considering, you know, she's from an Albania. I've just been to Albania. I went to Toronto yes. um, um, last month. And didn't didn't really clock, you know, um, but of course, you know, everywhere is everything about Mother Teresa. And when you look at Albania and where she actually came from, and then what she what she achieved in that context, particularly as a woman from Albania. Yes. yes. Um, I mean, you know, you, if you look at the, the normal checklist, it goes against the grain of everything, you know, uh, in terms of her height, her background, her language, mm -hmm. as you know, the, the sexist from a male female. Um, you know, to, yeah. to open doors and to get fame without the, the, the advertising, like, you know, <laughs> companies are spending billions on, on advertising and yet she get advertising, uh, you know, um, and she made yeah. do, and she's just <laughs> people in such a way that, you know, she doesn't need the advertising and it's that, that pure, genuine love uh, that mm. just reach everywhere. And, mm. uh, I, you know, that, if I could bottle that, I thought if I could have just one percent of, of that, you know, yeah, that would be, be so helpful. So you know, it's funny enough that that question has been on my mind for years. You know, so, yeah. you know, <laughs> you know uh, actually, it's not sat in the lift. Actually, it was just sat in the desert, desert, desert island. With <laughs> Teresa. So we we got plenty of fruit and water to, to have a long chat. You know. Oh, okay. Uh, well, um, here's my next question. Okay, so in this lift, um. 
she is hungry and so are you. So I'm going to magic you up the food that you would like to share with Mother Teresa. So what would that be? What are your favorite foods? What would you like and drink? What would you like to, to, to eat and, and drink with Mother Teresa on that lovely occasion? Um, it, it's going to be a, a vegetarian diet, diet with a, a little bit of uh, chicken um, and, and, and fish, basically. Well, that's not vegetarian. <laughs> well, uh, you mean vegetables. <laughs> with, with, yeah, with, yeah, it's, it's kind, kind yeah. of an 80% vegetarian and a 20% meat, meat diet. Okay. Um, I love fruit, fruit juice. Um, I, I'm, I don't drink alcohol because, you know, no. in fact, my mum told me, you know, if, if you have one mouth of alcohol, it will stung your growth. I think that's what happened when I was small. I did have one sip of alcohol, and that's why I'm so social. Obviously. <laughs> so, yes, I think it would be simplistic food, because I think mothers are ready to <coughs> like simplistic food. And But, yeah, she's, it's healthy. Yeah, cool. Okay, brilliant. Okay, so um, thank you for sharing that with us. And I think we've, we've at least got one other person that has chosen Mother Teresa. So you'll have to look at the list and see who else chose Mother Teresa. Right. Okay, so on my next... Next question is, I'd like you to share with us, if you can, uh, what the 18-year-old Philip was doing. So when you were 18, where were you living? What were you doing? What was life for you like then? Gosh, uh, at 18 years old, I was involved in um, running about eight charities. I was uh, competing at, at, at sports at various level. Uh, in, in fact, when I was, um, the transformation happened between 14 and 18, actually, because 14, I was this skinny beanpole. If someone sneezed, they would blow me down. <laughs> and then I, I then I got so angry at myself, you know, uh, in the summertime, I, I, I started training. I put a, to a program together of 24 elements. And literally in... At the time, Philip. Sorry. Where were you living at the time? Uh, I was living in, in London. Okay. And I, I also was uh, doing some part-time work uh, for, for charity. I was doing coaching. I was uh, also studying it as well. And also mm -hmm. I was a, quite an active member of uh, Shelter, the homeless group, and, and for Oxfam. Mm. And back in 1969, there was um, a Biafra war, and I was very much involved in fundraising for that. And that basically... Wow. And unfortunately, that that was well, unfortunate. Leading up to that, the the Olympic Games was coming up in 1972, so that took away a lot of my time in training. So eventually, that cost my Olympic placing. Um, but okay, oh, okay. okay. But it doesn't matter because uh, you know, at, at the end of the day, this people are more than more important than a piece of metal. You know. Mm -hmm. And did you just just share with us what sports that you did and and what you would have competed at, represented Great Britain in? I would actually. Uh, I was trained with the Great Britain gymnastic team, but I'll be representing mm -hmm. Hong Kong for gymnastics. Uh, ah, I, okay. I did have um, a world ranking for badminton as well. So, uh, and I played a bit of ping and a pong. Yeah, ping pong. Yeah. <laughs> ping and a pong. <laughs> um, Brilliant. And because I was doing a, a lot of charity uh, event, and I do lots of walk through back to back walking for different charities. Mm. So. <clears throat> For instance, uh, for one charity, I would uh, do a 50-mile walk on the Friday at midnight because it then ends uh, ends up um, on Saturday morning. Then uh, I go and play in my, for football or hockey for my team in the afternoon. And then the Sunday, uh, with another charity, I do a 20-mile walk. 
So I do a back-to-back, uh, 50, 50 and uh, 20 miles a, a weekend for, for different charities. Eventually, I was involved in 18 charities. And one of the charities mm. was called Rehab. No, not the drugs, but the able, disabled people. We used to have a once a year walking across the 18 bridge of, of London, the, the London bridges, 18. So that was a, a, a nice 20 mile walk. So yes, I've been mm. kept myself busy doing things like that. You have that. indeed, and I, I don't. I think you know. For me, you you're my father, Teresa. To be honest, you know all the wonderful good works that you've done and the influence that you've had on so many people is astonishing. Right from the age, you know, I didn't realize it was from such an early do now, but uh, I had no idea that you were doing that that kind of good work at such you know at such an early age. And Philip, can you remember eighteen? What you were listening to? on the radio or what music was was in your heart at that Ooh. time <coughs> well the beatles definitely uh, what uh, i can't uh -huh. i can't remember this but it's that era the, the beatles the kings uh maverick man yeah the rolling stone yeah um yeah yeah but but also on the other end of the scale i i do like the uh the very old stuff like george formby okay can I mention Des O'Connor? Oh, sorry. You can mention Des O'Connor, yes. <laughs> well, uh, viewers, <coughs> viewers, you did not hear that. <clears throat> I, well, in fact, I, I used to shock my friends, you know, that I had produced my Des O'Connor records, you know. <laughs> well, he was incredibly popular. With, yes, you he, know, he, he was. was and, yeah, he, actually. and he does have a great voice. Yeah, yeah, yes, absolutely. Yes, okay, yes. so thank you, thank you. That's really interesting. So, um, in that case, what was happening by the time you got to thirty-five? What, where were you, and what were you doing at thirty-five? Um, I was coaching a lot of sports um, in the three levels of gymnastics, from uh, the, the men's Olympic, women's Olympic, and nationally modern rhythmic gymnastics, which is supposed to be a women's only. What happened mm. is uh, I was coaching my, my gymnastics girls and they need dance training. So I got involved at the start of the, the um, uh, modern rhythmic in this country. And because they didn't have the, uh, the Olympic experience, <clears throat> I actually ended up as uh, the first male national coach. Uh, oh, for the, cool. And in, in fact, to my knowledge, I'm still the only male national coach. They wanted me to, to take that to the international level. But there, there was only one slight challenge in the rule to become a, a modern international coach. You had to be a female. Oh, <laughs> that's a big rule. <laughs> so as much as, as much as I love the sport, I didn't really want to, you know, to have <laughs> surgery for, for that. So and also I was involved in a number of different sports as, as well. Uh, football, badminton mm -hmm. from a county to international level. Um, well, still competing, you mean? You were still no, no, competing I, I, I was, no, I was you were coaching. coaching. I, I was coaching uh, oh. a number of different sports, and my athletes, you know, was competing at county, national, international levels uh, oh. as well. And oh. I was the decathlon coach for for Norfolk, you know, teaching the ten events. Uh, pole vault was just one of wow. them. Um, yeah, I think by the age of thirty-five, I think that was the last time I did my cliff diving. <laughs> Oh, oh, just my cliff diving. <laughs> uh, I, just I, throw that one into the mix. <laughs> well, I, I think my, my last dive was, was actually, uh, I went to Malta, which was not a nice, huge, uh, tall place. And, uh, you know, uh, all, all the cliff divers know you just climb up to the, the cliff 
that takes you not like nowadays the modern one you then you have platforms you actually have physically climb up mm. the side and it takes you maybe a half hour to climb up that cliff and take two seconds to come down okay so philip chan how did you get into cliff diving um crazy youth i i, I want ah. uh, I, I want to challenge myself and uh because Yes, I'll be the, the gymnastics, uh, then I'll transfer to trampolining and then trampolining for all oh, the diving would be a bit of a fun thing to do. But it was very boring doing that only diving you know, from the top, top ball, you just jump down and boom, that's it. So to add a bit of excitement, you know, to climb to on the cliff. And in fact, my last time <laughs> I'd, I'd done was actually in Malta. And in fact, it's, it's crazy because, um, you know, you can't get to the top, you, 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 you have your arms out wide. And I felt so good. I felt just like a bird. But the, the thing is, when you're diving, diving, you got to put your hands to protect your head like this. Yeah. I, forgot, I just left them out like this, and I I just hit boom, bang. I mean, I should Ow. know better. I should know better. Yes. Uh, the the in crazy thing is somehow I managed to get to the beach, and I can't remember how I got from uh, where I dive in, which is probably about hundred meters from from the shore. And somehow I managed to get to the beach. There was no damage except I got a, a bloody nose. That, that's all. And that was the mm. last time I ever done my cliff diving. Mm. So I, I think I, that knocked a bit of sense in, in, into me for change. Clearly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, when did you when did you get into the math thing and and uh, you know the the ten well, second? I I was very aware when I first became a, a teacher um the the way we've been taught to to teach was actually so boring and that a lot of my pupils hating it um mm. and then i said well there must be a better way so when did you become a teacher oh 45 years ago okay yep. so this was before you were 35 so you were teaching and you yeah. were coaching at the yeah, same I was time teaching well, I was teaching, coaching, and uh, helping the charities at the same yeah. time, and yeah. I was doing emotional counselling as, as well. And did you have um, did you have a family by then? No, no, no. no. So, uh, so uh, yes, it's, um, yeah, that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I, no, I've been so very, very, very busy with, with that. So, I was involved in lots of things uh, as well. So, I was investigating all the time actually i also started before i the 10 seconds before i was teaching because i said the turnaround was once out of school i started investigating these and when i actually went to teaching i said well why don't i try it out with my my pupils yeah then obviously i had very good results it got such a good result that i came close getting sacked from two of the schools i was teaching <laughs> <laughs> because they said because this is this is not conventional where you're not allowed to do that even mm. though i was getting results even yeah. though my people were enjoying this thing um there was two schools i went to them after easter so between easter and summertime that's when the exams are so in that short period of time the the uh, the pupils at age 15 16 were taking the gcse exam i've managed to retort a two-year gcse course in that seven eight weeks time period and and i had to use the 10 second mass expert to teach uh, the, the techniques to, to get through a lot of the things in that time 
Mm. Unfortunately, the, the pass rate was only 96% in that seven weeks to retort. Only 96%, did you say? Yes, yes. So, so, uh, <laughs> so I, I was very happy I didn't get 100%. <laughs> amazing okay brilliant so really fascinating stuff and i know that we've just kind of tipped that's the tip of the iceberg really for the life of philip chan i've got some quick fire questions for you now philip okay, okay so um uh, i'd like to know whether you're a tv or a radio person radio okay non-fiction or fiction oh non-fiction are you the oldest middle or youngest child oldest Oldest child, okay. And at school then, were you the goody two-twos, the class clown? Were you a bit of a handful or were you always under the radar? I'm definitely under the radar. Mm, yeah. And uh, what would you say is your best habit nowadays? My best habit? Oh, gosh. Have I got any help? <laughs> um, my best habit is, is this here. What's that? It's blank. <laughs> <laughs> I know that you've got good habits. Come on, think about a well, good habit. Um, I think I can handle lots of different pressures. Yes. Um, and also... Well, I think that's very clear from the variety of things. And you're the ultimate multitasker, really, aren't you? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I do love my sleep. Um, but if I have a pressure, then if I can actually get away with not sleeping for maybe two, three days, if necessary. Wow. Okay, so, I, so I suppose, what? So I suppose the, the, uh, the habit is uh, the stickability, I suppose, to get, yeah. until the job's yeah. done. Get it done, yeah. Okay, so what would you say is your worst habit then? Oh, trying to do too many things at once. Yeah, so there's the, the yin and the yang of that. That's the double-edged yes. sword, isn't it? Okay. And um, so what do you do? <laughs> Admits to your life, your busy life. What do you do to relax, Philip? Um, I sing to myself. Uh, I used to write poems and I, I used to write music, but I, unfortunately I can't do it with my hands anymore. Mm. And in fact, um, my, my singing is so good, I'm only allowed to sing in the bath, underwater. <laughs> okay. Uh, um, and, and I, I, I used to draw as well. Uh, yeah. Okay. So um, you know that I can sing. You know that that's my thing, don't you? Mm. Um, so um, if I'm on stage and I bring you up with me to sing with mm -hmm. me, what would be your karaoke song? <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, That's that's an interesting one. Somewhere over the rainbow, probably. Somewhere over the rainbow. Oh, that's really lovely. Is would that be the Judy Garland version, or would that be the um, Eva Cassidy version? It's, um, it's 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 my version because I think it's so. Badly. It's your version. Yeah, I, I I think if I start singing, it, it won't be over the rainbow. It'd be uh, un, un, under the black cloud. <laughs> Over and out, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and and Philip, just um, tell us, have you ever had any nicknames? Yes. So what were my, your nicknames? Uh, my grand, uh, uh, Abby. 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 Yep. Abby. And who called yep. you that? Your grandmother? That's, that's my that's grandma. I still don't know what well, that means, but, but, she, no. but she, ever since I was, she, you know, she called me Abby. Abby. Lovely. Okay. So um, now I have another scenario for you. Mm -hmm. So, um, 
I think you know that I've been married for years and years and years. I've been with mm -hmm. my husband for 35 years this year. Yeah. And a couple of years ago, we went off to America and did uh, eight states and 3,300 miles. And we were together for the whole month, for 24 hours a day, apart from yeah. one day when he went off into the desert on a Harley Davidson. Yeah. And that whole time, we had a fantastic um, experience and we never had a crossword between us the whole time and partly mm. it was because we'd had the whole thing organized you know we knew um where we were going we had the flights organized for us and all the hotels were booked so if i was to do the same for you and send you off somewhere for a month and organize everything so you had no stress mm. mm -hmm. who would you take with you that you know you could spend a whole month with without a crossword actually probably one of my granddaughter Ah. Because because she's uh, she's so fascinating at learning things, so it's everything to be a discovery. So yeah. and, and sometimes she will ask me questions that I have to really think about. I thought, hmm, I, I thought it was so obvious, but actually, then no, I was one of my granddaughter who I think are so curious. Then that she will increase my curiosity as well, because sometimes. How old is, I, how old is she? How old is she? She's ten. Ten. And ten. what's her name? Can we know her Claire, name? Chloe. Chloe. So you'd yeah. have a month away with Chloe. Oh, how fantastic. That's brilliant. Okay. Um, so we're going back onto the music track. So this, um, these conversations uh, are being transcribed into a book that's going all around the world in 80 days with Marina yeah. and the Ben Salmi family, which I know yes. you know about. Yes. And the other thing is that we're compiling a, um, a, a music list, a kind of playlist. So everybody who is interviewed gets to choose one track that goes on to the playlist. Mm -hmm. And what I'd like you to do is to tell us which track you would use, uh, what piece of music or song you would like added to the playlist that would make you feel light-hearted. Uh, the Carpenters, we've only just begun. Ah, oh, that's one of my very favorite tunes in the world. Yes. Yeah, so, I love Karen um, Carpenter. Yeah. Yes. I'm very happy to have that on my playlist. I think that's an <laughs> excellent choice. Okay. Um, and so um, music's one of my passions, but you know that the heart is another one of my passions. Mm. I am uh, you know, uh, looking after people in terms of their heart, and not only the heart that beats inside them, but the heart they give to the world, which I, I think you've got my book anyway. Yes. So what I'd like you to do is tell us... Um, what you do to look after your physical heart. So what do you do to keep yourself fit and well? And also, what do you do to keep your emotional and spiritual heart healthy? Well, I'm actually <clears throat> restarting my own exercise program again. I realized then I've gone through a little health challenge. Mm -hmm. And obviously, I put a little, little bit of weight on, so I need to actually, uh, you know, lose a, lose a little bit. So I'm actually going to, I actually dig out my old previous pre-Olympic training program. No, no, wow. no, I will do that. In fact, I, I, of the 24 elements, I think I'll get through about three. Yeah. <laughs> so the training will start at five in the morning. And then I'll do just a, a few little bits so I can start doing it on a regular basis now. Um, yeah. And what are you going to do? What are you going to do nutritionally to buffer? Because you know that as you exercise, as an elite athlete, you know that as you exercise, that's very stressful for the body. So you need to up your antioxidants and 
um, up your fluid levels as well and your basically your, your nutrients, your macronutrients. So what will you be doing to um, support that training programme? Well, I'm actually sitting down to actually do, put myself uh, as, as the, the trainer, training uh, my athletes. Yeah. So I'm actually writing a, a diet programme for myself with uh, juices, fruits, uh, water intakes, uh, multivitamins and, and, and so on and so forth. So I'm actually sitting down actually uh, this weekend, no, sorry, on Monday, to actually start again because I realised then until I put things down on paper, sometimes you won't do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'm going to put, go back. I still I'm actually training now for Olympics again after about hundred years. <laughs> what do you mean you're training for the Olympics? Explain. Well, there, I had this um, thing once upon a time. Then obviously I. I retire in 1972 mm. my coach um, coaching and competing i really wanted to see if i can actually um compete at the over 80 games yeah but clearly that's not going to happen now since i had my operation seven years ago so technically i'm disabled but i'm actually reworking my legs so i'm actually walking but i want to have that mind frame as, as though i'm actually you know going to compete at olympic level again I know I'm not going to get anywhere close to that, but the, but even the the one percent is better than than zero percent. So I'm going yeah. to start to have to go to the much more discipline again in the the way I use my time, the way I think, and also to start jotting down because I when I train my my athlete, I insist on they actually keep a journal. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to have to start doing that for myself, and then, yeah, go back as a trainee. Brilliant. And then, what, so what about what about your um, what about your heart in terms of the one that you give to the world? What do you do to look after that? I stopped writing poetry for, for a long time, and, and I think that that'd be a good thing for me to start writing poetry again. There mm -hmm. was a time when I was writing about five or ten poems a, a, a day, so I think that that'd be a good way to release my deeper emotions. Yeah, brilliant. Okay, well, that's really fascinating. So before we finish, Philip, I've really enjoyed my light-hearted conversation with you. I hope you have too. Thank you, Joe. It's been a real, real pleasure chatting you. Thanks, thanks yeah. for having me uh, on your programme. Yeah, no, I'm...